0: I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Last week and the week prior to that, we talked about revving up as a way to determine whether or not you're able to regulate your emotions And also, how to begin accepting the brain that you've been given. So today, I want to talk about some recovery keys. If we think of recovery as like a video game to gamify things, right? We can think of it as levels. I talked about it before as a ladder, where you're climbing these steps of a ladder. So if you think about it as each level having a lock on it, what are some keys that we can use to unlock these levels? Or, let's say, video game cheat codes. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is being a rock. One of the things that I find to be incredibly difficult in the recovery of borderline personality disorder, or honestly in recovery of anything, is consistency. And with BPD, there's this element of autistic-like traits, this underdeveloped theory of mind, which we've talked about in previous episodes. If you're unfamiliar of what I'm referencing, please go back and check that out. Having an underdeveloped theory of mind and some autistic-like traits means that it is also difficult to generalize skills to other areas of recovery. For example, we all know that relationships are really rough, right? Specifically, romantic relationships and oftentimes familiar relationships as well. So if you're in a romantic relationship and you're working really hard on maintaining this relationship so that your fear of rejection and abandonment doesn't actually come true, then oftentimes this is something that you have been chipping away at. You're working with your partner, hopefully. You're working on not splitting. You're working on extracting yourself from that favorite host, that tick host dynamic or favorite person, if you will, dynamic. And you're working on regulating your emotions. You're working on mentalizing. You should be working on all kinds of great self-control strategies and identity development formulas within the context of this relationship. And if you're at this uh, level of recovery, you know how difficult it is to take the skills that you're learning to use and to generalize them to other areas of your life. So what do I mean by this? Okay. When I started out in recovery, it was hard enough for me to contain my emotions, engage in socially appropriate behaviors, and to be able to do all the work of recovery when I was spending time with my now husband, Jay. So when I would leave this environment, I had a tendency to take off my recovery hat and put on my impulsivity hat when I left, because it was like I was holding it in. Oh my gosh, I, I was so normal. Yes, congratulations. So I would often offer myself a reward for normal or neurotypical behavior through being impulsive. I wasn't a rock early in recovery. I was well and good and neurotypical and in control of myself when in the context of my romantic relationship. And I didn't yet. I hadn't yet had this key to learn how to be the same person in all environments, which is very key for identity development. So what I want you to think about today is when you leave your romantic partner or the person that you're in relationship with, that you're having a difficult time with, and you're working on recovery, are you the same person when you leave when they're not there? If they were watching you or following you around with a camera, right, on one of those like punked shows, like Ashton Kutcher, right? Punked. If if they were watching you, would they see the same person that just left them, this person who's like recovery oriented, who has self-control? Or Are you starting to think right now in this moment, or have you thought before, bring into your self-awareness that you are not engaging in that same behavior, so you're not generalizing the skills in these new environments? Now, sometimes skill generalization is a choice. When I told you how I would leave Jay's house and be, you know, put on my impulsivity hat, I did that because I was not guided through recovery. I was a noob, didn't know what I was doing, and didn't really think that there was a problem. So I chose it. I thought to myself, hey, I deserve a reward, right? I didn't. So sometimes it's a choice because it's a holding in and then a reward system, right? Sometimes, though, people are not aware of it. And I find that that's more often the case, that, you know, the folks that I'm working with right now, people who are writing in with questions, that they are not aware that they are acting in a different way when they go into different environments and that they still feel chaotic and empty inside because of this. In order to trust yourself, you must be the same person in every environment around all different kinds of people. So if you're following along and you have a notebook, I want you to write this down. In order to trust myself, I must be the same person in every environment around all different kinds of people. I must attempt now take this key to unlock the next level of this video game of recovery by being the same person in every environment. So when I'm with with my best friend, for example, I'm going to make the same choices I would make as if I was with my partner. I had a friend at the time that I would hang out with a lot when I was dating Jay, and I would be one person when I was alone, one person when I was with Jay, and one person when I was with this individual. And one of the things I would do is feed all of my like food impulses, right? I would go out to eat a lot and I would, you know, eat junk food, cake, all kinds of things, right? And I would go and be like paleo when I was with Jay, paleo even a little bit when I was alone, because I really was trying at this part in recovery. But then I wanted my friend, my best friend at the time to think that I was still fun and that I was still this like good person to hang out with. And I had only learned to connect with this individual in feeding my impulses. So I wasn't the same person. I was like giggly and silly and funny and class clownish and was like going out to eat all the time. And then one day I realized that this feeling of chaos I had had. And sort of disconnect from this friend wasn't me dissociating or splitting any of those things, but it was me feeling like, gosh, I'm not the same person with this person that I'm calling a friend that I am with my boyfriend, with my partner. And this feels bad. It feels chaos. Chaotic, excuse me. So sometimes it's so hard in recovery. That we change and we bounce from thing to thing, person to person, identity to identity, and we say, I'm still the same. I still feel empty. I feel chaotic. I feel out of control. The BPD monster is going to jump on my back at any time. But that's not the case. The issue is of skill generalization. So if you're at a place in recovery where things are going well within your romantic relationship and you need to elevate to that next level, this is the key. In order to trust myself, I must be the same person in every environment around all kinds of different folk at work, with my family, etc. I had an awesome session today with an individual and we talked about how when they go to see their family... They start just talking, talk, 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 talk. So then my question was, okay, well, are you talking with these individuals? Are you connecting with these individuals the way you've learned to do with your partner, with some folks at work, or are you talking at them? Do you become the old you the minute you walk into the door of your family's home? And the answer is, well, yeah, of course, I become the old me. Oh, goodness, (laughs) wow. I didn't even realize I was doing that. And of course, because this is very common. It's like the minute the, you know, large motivator, right? Maintenance of romantic relationship is gone out of the mind's eye, right? It's gone. And so then walk into the family home and it's like, okay, I can be the same person. I can argue. I can fight. I can be judgmental. I can talk at people. I can go at it. I can have very little depth. I can feed impulses. And I can rev, 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 rev. I can rev because there's no consequence for revving. I mean, this is my family. like They'll be here forever, right? Mm -hmm. Or in the work context or friend context. These are my friends. They'll be around. Why wouldn't they? They'll accept me. A problem with that, though, is when you start to be different in different environments, then you're not true to your own identity development. So take recovery to the next level and start to look at what you did to have success in your romantic relationship and begin to make those same choices while you are out in the community with family. Be a rock. Consistency in presentation and conviction in your moral compass is a good antidote to chaos, and it helps you feel in control. Okay, this week's Q&A is around whether or not people with borderline personality disorder are manipulative, manipulative. It's interesting because I had an individual reach out to me, actually multiple individuals and someone post on Facebook group about Cora. I think I'm saying that website correctly. It's um, like kind of like a message board, and they use the term PWBPD, like partner with BPD, sort of attacking people with BPD, saying that people with BPD are manipulative. And the question is, are we manipulative, right? Was I manipulative? I mean, I would say yes, but I'm in a place in recovery where I can say that, and I can accept it, and I'm okay with it. So what I have to say about that is, do your behaviors match your intentions? Last week I talked about this, so if you want a more in-depth answer about why people see us as manipulative, please check that out. It's at the end of last week's episode. If my intention, for example, is to hold on to my romantic partner, to my family, my friend, my favorite host, and... The way that I've learned to go about doing that is smothering them, having episodes, having tantrums, crying on my knees and begging them to stay with me, rather than allowing them to freely choose them. Me, excuse me. Then my behavior doesn't match my intention, which is to love the person who I'm love, to not be left. My behavior says it speaks louder than my words and it says i want to control you i want to be a tyrant over you i want to manipulate you so unfortunately people with borderline personality disorder have to chip away and work on their intentions matching their behavior because no i would say no that it's not manipulation at its core but it sure, certainly sure does look for the outside person, or excuse me, to the outside person, like manipulation. So make sure your intentions and behaviors match. And remember, when you read negative things about people with borderline personality disorder, or you read things that perpetuate the stigma of an individual with borderline personality disorder, remember, that one of the issues here is that the fear of rejection and abandonment, the trauma, the hypersensitivity, the revving up, it all creates this cloud that smothers our intentions. So be sure to reflect upon your own life instead of taking this internet information, this vast pit of information as truth, be sure to reflect upon your life and your behavior to determine whether or not your behaviors show to someone who does not have experience with borderline personality disorder that you're manipulative. If your behaviors show that, you need to define your behavior so that people can see your intention because I'd venture to say that you are a good person with good intentions. And those intentions get lost and you deserve better than that. So please, take what is being said, reflect, change the behavior, and understand that sometimes the disordered behavior for the personality state of dysfunction can cloud your true intentions of being a beautiful, passionate, loving, kind, respectful, loving, I said that, person. All right. So remember, first key in your recovery journey is being a rock. Be consistent. Be the same person in all environments. And if you hear things about being a manipulative, a manipulator, if even with me, hearing me say you're a tyrant, et cetera, right? Think about whether or not your behaviors match your intention. If you don't want to be manipulative, if you don't want to be a tyrant, change your behavior, define your behavior. Figure out where your intentions get lost and I will see you next week or speak with you next week rather for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Thanks for listening, that was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Skeeters Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at SkeetersStrength.com. If you like this show, remember you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So, If you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful. Hope and help for individuals with BPD.